Well, today is Pentecost Sunday. It is um, the birth of the church. It's the descent of the Spirit. It is the great reversal uh, from the Tower of Babel. You remember where God confuses the languages in Genesis. Uh, and now you see language being spoken in all, you know, Peter's just speaking in his language, the other guys, but yet everybody's hearing, they're speaking in tongues of different and varied places. And you heard Bob read through all the different names of the locations that people were from. And so it's the great reversal, whereas you have confusion in Genesis because of sin and disobedience uh, and multiple languages. Now everyone hears in their own tongue um, and there is unity. And so it is the descent of the Spirit. It is, what, it is the promise of the Father, what we've been talking about for, for the past few Sundays. Uh, and the anticipation, they were told to wait. They were told to wait, and that's, that's what we talked about last week in our, in our sermon. And so what I want to do this morning is I want you to go to a place where you probably uh, would not think of finding the Spirit, <laughs> uh, which is Numbers chapter 11. So you didn't think much was going on in Numbers Maybe you think numbers has to do with numbers, which is mentioned twice, that term. Uh, but, but primarily, numbers has to do with disobedience. So, <clears throat> Genesis has to do with beginnings, and you get Abraham, of course, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. You get Exodus, where you are introduced to Moses, who is that towering figure in all of the Old Testament um, and then they are also delivered from Egypt. Um, you get Leviticus, uh, where uh, God tells them what they, uh, what is clean, what is unclean, what is holy, what is common. Uh, he makes a distinction between these. And then you get Numbers. And Numbers has to do with failure in the wilderness. It's really what the book's about. It's almost as if Moses is writing a travel journal as he's going through the wilderness. Remember, they, were, they refused to go into the land. God said, you can take the land. They said, yeah, I don't think so. And they didn't trust him. And so he sent him into the wilderness, and that entire generation was to die off in the wilderness as they wandered for 40 years. And so Numbers is is Moses jotting down some of the travel stuff that they do in the wilderness as they're being disobedient. And yet, here we are in chapter 11. And I want to pick up reading. <clears throat> I'm not going to read the part where they complain. All right, So that's, that's what they do first in chapter 11, is they complain. Uh, and and <laughs> funny, uh, Moses gets, gets angry. Of course, God gets angry at their complaining as well. But Moses gets angry. And he says, do I look like I birthed these, these people? I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here having to hear all their bickering and stuff. That they don't want to eat this manna anymore. They want meat. And God says, okay, well, I'll give them meat. And I'll give it to them. Not for a day, not for a week, but for a month until they're sick of it. And it's coming out of their nostrils. And then we pick up with, after that good scene in verse 16. Then the Lord said to Moses, because he was getting stressed out at this point. <laughs> if you've never read Numbers, Moses is, is, it gets a little stressed out every once in a while. 
um, with these people. So then, then the Lord said to Moses, Gather for me seventy men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people and officers over them, and bring them to the tent of meeting, and let them take their stand there with you. And I will come down and talk with you there, and I will take some of the Spirit that is on you and put it on them. And they shall uh, bear the burden of the people with you so that you may not bear it yourself alone. And say to the people, Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow and you shall eat meat. For you have wept in the hearing of the Lord, saying, Who will give us meat to eat? For it was better for us in Egypt. Therefore the Lord will give you meat, and you shall eat. You shall not eat just one day, or two days, or five days, or ten days, or twenty days, but a whole month, until it comes out of your nostrils and becomes loathsome to you, because you have rejected, notice that, the Lord who is among you, and have wept before Him, saying, Why did we come out of Egypt again? But Moses said, The people among whom I am number 600,000 on foot, and you have said, I will give them meat that they may eat a whole month. Shall flocks and herds be slaughtered for them and be enough for them? Or shall all the fish of the sea be gathered together for them and that be enough for them? And the Lord said to Moses, Is the Lord's hand not hand shortened? Uh, now you shall see whether my word will come true for you or not. So Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord, and he gathered 70 men of the elders of the people and placed them around the tent. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him and took some of the Spirit that was on him and put it on the 70 elders. And as soon as the Spirit rested on them, they prophesied. But they did not continue doing it. Now, Two men remained in the camp, one named Eldad and the other Medad, and the Spirit rested on them. They were among those registered, but they had not gone out to the tent. And so they prophesied in the camp. And a young man ran and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the assistant of Moses from his youth, said, My Lord, Moses, stop them. But Moses said to him, Are you jealous for my sake? Would that all the Lord's people were prophets, that the Lord would put His Spirit on them. And Moses and the elders of Israel returned to the camp. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank You for Your Word. Your Word is holy. Uh, Your Word is useful. It is for us. It is, it is bread for the soul. And so Lord, may we pause just a moment and dine with You from Your Word. Feed us now by Your Spirit, the bread of life, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Interesting passage here, and you really can't extrapolate just the one part without reading the, the complaining and the, and the storyline of it. That's how narrative goes. And God gives us lots of narrative in the Old Testament, and so we have to do harder work in the Old Testament.
to get um, get some things out because what it's teaching us is through a story, not just a lesson. And so here is no different. Tucked away in chapter 11 here in Numbers is this promise that the Spirit is to be for all people. Not just for some, but for all. It's always fascinating to reread this and see that Joshua was trying to do a good thing. And you remember, Joshua is the assistant of of Moses. He actually wanted to go into the land. He was one of the 12 spies that that actually said we could go into the land and take it. Um, And he also will be the next leader of Israel. Uh, You know, the next, you know, after... After Deuteronomy, you have Joshua. <laughs> and so, but here, he sees these two guys prophesying in the camp. He says, hang on, hang on, whoa, that's, that's Moses' job. That's not, you know, they're not licensed to, to be prophesying, right? I mean, they didn't even come to the tent of meeting, and here they are out here prophesying with the Spirit. And, and so, he comes to Moses, you know, one guy comes to, to Joshua, and then Joshua goes to Moses, almost like a tattletale ring. And, um, and, and so... So they come, and, and what they're reporting is, is that someone is prophesying without authority, you know, without permission, so to speak. And you would think that Moses would be like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm the one in charge. I mean, who are these guys? I, mean, I, didn't, I didn't give them permission to, to be prophesying. I mean, I'm, I'm the head cheese here, right? The big cheese. Not them. And, 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 and whoever came to the tent of meeting, that's the ones who were authorized, right? And these guys weren't even there. And so you'd think that most would be like, oh yeah, let's, let's, let's shut them up, right? And instead he says something profound, doesn't he? Moses said to them, are you jealous for my sake? Don't be jealous for I don't own the Spirit, in other words. I don't direct the Spirit of God. I'm not in charge of the Spirit of God. No, no, don't be jealous on my sake. Don't be worried about me, in other words, Joshua. And he says, would that... All... It's almost a prayer. It's a prayer promise. Notice, would that... All the Lord's people were prophets. In other words, people who are filled with the Spirit, speaking the words of God. Moses doesn't want some premier job. He never saw his job as something that was for him, only him. Not wanting to relinquish that power. And neither should we in any position of ministry. The Spirit is not mine to give or to move around or to hold to myself. No, the promise is given to all people. And so today, on the day of Pentecost, we move from some people having access to the Spirit to now all people having access to the Spirit. So, some would say that in the Old Testament... Uh, you have a different God. Some would say that in the Old Testament, you have the Jewish Scriptures, and in the New Testament, you have the Christian Scriptures. But the reality of that is, that is not the case at all. Uh, There is one Christian book, and it is this one, that includes the Old Testament, includes the whole 66 books that we have before us. Um... Jesus came. His mission was to bring the Holy Spirit. Some people stop short with the cross. They think He just came to die on the cross. But even by His own title, 
His title tells you Christ. That tells you that He is the Messiah. What is Messiah? Messiah is anointed one. Anointed with what? Just oil? No, the Holy Spirit. He was the one that the Spirit was to rest upon. He was then to be the conduit, if you will, that brings the Spirit to all people. Didn't Jesus Himself say, I must go so that He can come, another can come, the Spirit of truth, who will remind you of what I taught you. So it's almost as if when you read the Bible properly, that the Father is outside of us. We are not God. I mean, that's one of the first declarations in the Bible is, you're not God, I am. And you'll never be God. You'll never be divine. We'll never be divine. We'll never merge into God. We'll never become God. The Father is outside of us. Outside of our reach. Outside of our touch. We can't twist His arm to make Him do something. I mean, it's always comical uh, when my children want me to do something. Right? You know, Daddy, let's go over here. Let's go over here. And they start tugging on me. I'm like, I'm 200 pounds. You're what? 20 pounds? Maybe. Soaking wet? Right? They can't move me. No, they're not. You know, they can try to tackle me or what? No, no, they can't make me do anything. And that really puts them in bad position. It nor makes them cry. You know, because they can't. You know, they start complaining because they can't make me do anything. They can't put my arm behind my back. Now, maybe some of you could. You know, you can make me do something. Cry, uncle, whatever. Uh, but but they can't. The father's like that, isn't he? In the Bible, you you can't touch him. You can't make him do anything. The only thing you can do to the Father is submit to Him just like Jesus did. Obey Him. Now the good thing is, the good news is, He's a good Father. He's not a mean one. He's not withholding stuff to make us just to be mean. No, He's protecting us. So the Father's outside us. And then when you read the Bible properly, Jesus is beside us, isn't He? Doesn't He say, I'm going to be with you always? I mean, that was some of His last words to His disciples as He's ascending. And I'm going to be with you always. Isn't His name, according to Isaiah, Emmanuel, God with us? So the Father is outside of us, outside of our touch and reach, and we submit to And Jesus is right here with us. Where two or three are gathered in His name, isn't He in the midst? He's with us. And then when you read the Bible properly, you'll see that the Spirit, to complete the Holy Trinity here, is in us. So the Father outside us, Jesus beside us, and the Spirit inside us. Amen. Wow! I mean, who would you be afraid of with that you know, party, right? <laughs> With that posse, who in the world could you ever be afraid of? The problem, it seems, is that a lot of Christians never make it to the Spirit being in them. They never get around to that. They understand the, the whole Father and separation between us and God. Oh yeah, you know, we've we got to be obedient. We, we'll get judged. when They, they, they get Jesus. They get Jesus, you know, He's beside, He's with us, He, he likes us because, I mean, He did, after all, die on the cross and become one of us. He's a, he's a human like we are now, still remaining God, but yet human. The God-man, 
But the Spirit always trips us up, doesn't He? He's the enigmatic one. The mysterious one. The one that we, really, we, we want to try to define, but it's really tough to. Like the wind, right? I mean, our supercomputers that do our models for our climate and for our weather, the models we haven't perfected yet, two things, wind and clouds, which wind has a big result to do with clouds. And those two things are major factors in weather, aren't they? And who can predict where all that goes? No one can. No one can. So to the Spirit. Isn't that what the Scripture said? He's like the wind. That Jesus says this in John, excuse me, in John 3. He says, like the wind. When they were making the Bible series, that mini-series that came out, I don't know, last year or whatever, and that scene where Jesus is actually talking to Nicodemus, they filmed it at night over in the Middle East, and I was reading an article and they said that, that when he started talking about the Spirit being like a wind, that the wind all of a sudden got up real powerful, and you can see it in there, everybody's robes and stuff are blowing, you know, when they started talking about the Holy Spirit, and they said they all, everybody there filming and doing the audio and all that, are shooting, and doing the audio and all, uh, were, were just chill bumps, goosebumps, you know, because... All of a sudden you start talking about the Spirit and then here's the wind blowing. And on the day of Pentecost, is that not what happened? Now in North Alabama, we know a little bit about the wind blowing, don't we? Yeah, I mean, we we nearly get blown away every week it seems like sometimes. Um, When the wind blows, anything that is not concreted down, anything that's not heavy and weighty, gets blown away, doesn't it? Our trampoline, two of them, gone. Uh, my grill constantly gets blown over. It's not a big weighty grill. Uh, thankfully, my house has not blown over yet because it's pretty weighty. Uh, my car hasn't blown over yet. It's pretty weighty. What's the point of that? When the Spirit comes into our life, anything that's not substantial, anything that's not weighty, if you will, is going to get blown away. And that's a good thing, isn't it? When all the things that we pile in our life and stuff in our life and and squeeze into our life, when the Spirit comes, He's going to blow all that stuff away and what remains is going to be what's substantial. And we need that. We need that kind of of cleaning, don't we? We we, It's almost like we need a pressure washing, right? Right? I mean, every so often, I mean, my... The kids are, are crazy, and so they, they got mud all over my driveway, so I'm probably going to have to pressure wash it because i got to blow away all of that garbage. And, and some of us need the Spirit to come in and blow away a lot of the garbage that has accumulated in our lives, in my life. We need His fresh wind to come through and blow off the branches that are, that are half dead, that, don't need to be, that are sucking away from the nutrients of the main branches, we need we need the Spirit. We need the Spirit to come in and, and lop those off. There is one word uh, in the Old Testament for spirit, for breath, for wind, and for spirit with a little s. So you have one word, which is ruach, for spirit with a little s, like our spirit or the spirit of our congregation, you know, whether our spirits are up or down, that kind of that kind of term. It's one word, it's the same word for breath, 
It's when, when God says in Genesis, for instance, He breathed within us the breath of life. That's literally, He ruach within us, the ruach of ruach. So, you have also in Ezekiel, if you read Ezekiel, Ezekiel is all about the Spirit. You remember the Valley of Dry Bones? He says Spirit in that chapter, so it's the recurring, it's a recurring phrase and term. No, the Spirit is not different in the Old Testament than He is in the New. The covenants, however, are different. And He's limited in the Old Testament, whereas now, unlimited. <laughs> it makes me think of the... You've probably heard of the company Kavu. Clear above visibility, unlimited. That's where we're at with the Spirit now. We're clear above visibility. We know... we. Our generation knows what's going on. We know what's going on. We have the cross. We have the resurrection story. We have the Scriptures bound and printed nicely for us in a thousand translations. We have freedom to worship God. We can see what needs to be seen. And yet, because of laziness and lack of faith, we... we, we don't have the Spirit in us. We don't want the Spirit at work in us. You know, when you're saved, uh, just to be clear, you get all of the Spirit. It's not like you get a portion of the Spirit, a half of the Spirit, or just His leg or something. As if you had a leg. No, you get the whole Spirit. However, He doesn't have all of you, and that's the problem. You remember what we said last week, right? Why did, why did Jesus tell them to wait? I mean, that's the, that's the worst thing in the world to do is have to wait on something. Because they weren't ready. They weren't ready. And all of the Old Testament, they're not ready. If He's going to give the greatest gift in the world, which is His Son, which is His Spirit, in us, with us, you don't just give the greatest gift in the world to people who are going to be unappreciative but rather you want them to understand what it is they are getting. Isn't that the case? I mean, if you have an heirloom in your family, you don't just say, hey, here's an here's old watch, you can have that. No, you tell the story. I mean, Jason at the, at the wedding yesterday, uh, before the wedding, he, he pulls out an old watch and he said, this was my great, great grandpa's watch. I mean, I was like, wow, I didn't even want to touch it. You know, he kind of held it out. I was like, no, that's, not, that's on you, man. I don't, that's, that's precious. I mean, that's something that's been around me. Old boy's living in the 1800s, you realize. That's a long time ago. And here he is with this, with this heirloom, this thing that has been given to him to protect, to have, to use. You know, you don't, you don't, you don't just give the greatest gifts without explanation. And God gives us these gifts, but He first has to explain, and He takes, he takes a good portion of the Bible to do so, right? It's the Old Testament. That's why we have to know our Old Testament. If your diet is only New Testament, you're anemic. Amen. You have no idea what you have. You have no idea what, what, what they anticipated for so long. What they longed for. What Moses here is longing for. I wish everyone was prophesied. Not just me. Not just these 70. But all people. And here we are with that ability. 
with that spirit and power and we just ho-hum. Whatever. It's because we haven't really sat and understood the need that we have for God's Spirit. Did you catch the reading that we read? We're meant to drink of the one Spirit. The Spirit is the fuel of life. He is the breath of life. We were not fully human except for when He breathed within us His breath. Again, Spirit. There is room for God in every human person for the Holy Spirit. There's a tank, if you will. And we fill it with whatever we... You know, all this garbage from from the world and, and from our own ideas about how to be happy. And only the Spirit can make us happy. Amen. Only the Spirit can fulfill that. And every one of us have chased after other things. There's no exception in this room. Every one of us has, has tried to fill our life with certain... But, but that place is only for God's breath. His Spirit to be in us. In us. Inside of us. Which, as the Scripture says, is a great mystery, isn't it? God in us. It's not that we become God. But God is in us. Working in us. And so when, when, when you are saved, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, He saves you from your sins and He saves you to God. It's not just a negative thing. It's not just a thing of, of oh yeah, i got my sins forgiven and that's it. No, no. You now turn to God. That's what repentance is. You're turning to God. You're turning away from evil. Away from, I mean, here's the reality, and we don't like to accept this, but this is what the Old Testament shows is that we are children naturally, Naturally speaking, when we are born, we are naturally children of the devil. That's what Jesus says. That even boggles my mind. I'm like, I don't want to call you a child of the devil. I was a child of the devil until he saved me from myself. Until he made me born again. We need to be born again is what Jesus says. Not just once, but born again of what? The Spirit is what He tells Nicodemus. You must be born of the Spirit. It's not enough to be born as you were and stay as you... Humans, no, it's not. That's the natural man. That is not enough. We must have God in us. And today on Pentecost, this is what we celebrate. This is who we invite into our life. And so when you are saved, you get all of the Spirit and yet He does not have all of you. And that's the problem again. But you don't even know that before you become a Christian. That can't be something you can be told on your own. The Spirit is the one who will show you how deep the need is of Him in your life. And so, after you are born again, what you'll find is, just like Paul says in Romans 7, you'll find something else at work in your life you'll find that you have a divided heart. In other words, you'll want to do what is good, but you can't do it. You'll want not to do certain things, and you will do it. And God says, I don't want to leave you there. I'm going to send my Spirit to give you a perfect heart, 
of love. Doesn't mean everything you're, you're going to do is perfect, but it means your heart is perfected. The best illustration of this is really is really marriage. Uh, so I may not be able to do everything perfect for Jessica and she to me, and we'll definitely. You know, just because of our physical abilities, I gotta sleep, I gotta eat, we have to do these certain things, we have to go on trip. We can't fulfill everything that the other wants, but my love for her can be perfect. In other words, my heart, even when my even when my physical body can't do it, my heart can be perfected for her and her for me. This is what God is saying He can do in us. He can perfect our heart of love. We don't have to have a double mind. This is what Isaiah saw. This is what Ezekiel saw. The, the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament is placement. So the law is not abolished when Jesus comes. No, He fulfills the law. He bring it, brings it to its final head. He is the head of the law. No, in the Old Testament, the law is written on stones. In the New Testament, it's written on the heart. The heart. And what does Jeremiah say about the heart? It's deceitful and wicked. And Genesis 6, before the flood, God says, their thoughts and imagination is evil constantly. Only evil constantly. We, the Scripture says, have a unstable and unstable spirit. In other words, at our core, we're unstable. We can't be trusted. Have you noticed that about yourself yet? That you can't even trust yourself to do the right thing. And that's why we must trust God. It's not self who saves us. It's God. We don't live for self, but God. And just like in a love relationship, you lose yourself in the other. It's never destroying of yourself, of your personhood, of your individuality, but it's a losing it in the other, in love. The best times in life are times where you are doing something and you lose yourself. You forget about yourself. You're doing it out of pure love. The act of marriage is meant to be a picture of that. You're not thinking about yourself. You're thinking of the other and it creates the greatest ecstasy in the world. You lose yourself. This is not about us. It's about the other We can have a single eye, the Scripture says, which is just a way of saying we don't have to be Christian ADD all the time. You know, getting distracted and, and, and losing focus. We can have a single eye on Jesus Christ by the Spirit only. He can give us a heart of love, fill us with love, He can make us stable, but only by the Spirit. 
only if we're running in our tank, the Spirit. It'd be nice. I mean, up, up in Indiana, the gas was $4 a gallon. It'd be nice to put water in there. Just to, uh, you know what? I'm not going to be able to afford this. I'm just going to shoot some water in here into the rental car. But uh, I'd, have, I'd have damaged the rental car and had to probably pay for it. Um, no, a, a car is meant to run off of, of gasoline. And we are meant to run off the Spirit. And so often in my own life, I run off of everything but the Spirit. I'm putting stuff in there because it's cheap. I'm putting stuff in there because it's convenient. But we must take the time. You say, how do we, how do we, how do we feel with the Spirit? Pray. 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 Isn't that what they were doing on the day of Pentecost? 120 of them in the upper room. They were praying. <laughs> and so if we want the Spirit to rush into our life like a mighty wind, blowing away stuff that doesn't need to be there, blowing away all our complaining just like they were doing here in, ele- in chapter 11. I mean, complaining makes God angry. It didn't just make Moses angry. It makes God angry because it's not trusting Him. All good things come from Him and we don't even recognize all the good things for the things that we want to be different. And just like an ungrateful child makes me angry, so too God gets angry with us when we're ungrateful children. We should be back in Egypt. It was better there. They're talking about going back into slavery. He freed them from slavery. And they want to go back. And many times we look out into the world and say, man, they have it better. Here I am serving people and doing this and that and trying to do what's right and I don't get promoted. I don't get this and I don't get that. Look, I've been there before. I know that sob story. And it leads to nothing. Nothing. It's all about me. No, what the Spirit will do is turn us inside out. That's what He'll do. Not an inward focus, but an outward focus. It's interesting that the first time that someone recognizes in the Old Testament that somebody is filled with the Spirit is actually Pharaoh. He sees Joseph (laughs) and he says, uh, Can we find another in whom the Spirit of the Holy God is? That was a Pharaoh. That was a pagan king. And then everywhere else in the Old Testament, you see some people who are filled with the Spirit. God fills them with the Spirit and they are actually able to live out the covenant. And then in the New Testament, we no longer are talking about some people filled with the Spirit, but now everyone is invited to be filled with God's Spirit. He can help us live out finally His covenant. His covenant was meant to show us who He is, who we are supposed to be, and how we can't do it on our own. That's what the covenant was meant to do. And it did its job. We just hadn't read it. We just hadn't adhered to it. We think we can do it. No. We must stop trying to do it ourselves and open our lives to His Spirit so that He can do a change that we can't do. He can orient our lives away from ourselves, away from the sin that we go back to and trust. And He can fill us with His Spirit. He can fill us with His love and grace 
and mercy and forgiveness and create within us true joy. Joy, unspeakable, full of glory. And the Holy Spirit will teach us all the things that we need to know. Because now He's writing the law on our hearts, the control center. And that's what He wants to do for us today. Oh God, could you, would you, might you do this for us all? And He says, I thought you'd never ask. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, He wants to do that in us. Burn up the dross, the fire that comes today. He's available. If you're not filled with the Spirit, if you're not living out the Christian life in victory, it's not God's fault. He's not hanging a carrot out here that we'll never get to. He's not on our back with a little carrot and... And we're the donkey, and he's laughing. And it, you know, live this out. Oh, you can't do it. <laughs> no, he wants us to. The only people who ever see God are those who have been made holy. And the Holy Spirit makes us holy. We sell God short. We sell His salvation short. It's not short. Didn't he just say, "Is my?" He said, "Moses, is my arm short?" <laughs> Moses, how are you going to get? Are we going to go fishing and get all the fishes? Is my arm short, Moses? Haven't you already seen me bring water from a rock? Manna from heaven? We forget so easily how His power works. And we, we just sell Him short. Oh, He can't do that. He can't take care of this problem in my life. That's just who I am. Let me tell you something. He can do it. He can do it. That's what He came to do. And He wants to do it if we'll just let Him. So let's let Him this morning. Amen.